1: welcome to Just Think, the podcast. This is Holly and Amy and Kristen. And today we are joined by a very special guest, investigative journalist and author, Carrie Gillum, someone we've been waiting to talk to for for a little while. We're so excited to have her with us because she brings more than 30 years of experience covering food and agriculture and policies and practices. and, And she has 17 years Uh, Experience as a correspondent for Reuters. And that's, of course, you know, Reuters as the news service. And so she is one of those that Kristen, Amy, and I still hold tremendous respect for because she went where the evidence led. And I know that Carrie is going to be able to share more about this today, but you know, if you're not a journalist, if you didn't go to school and you don't have a job as a journalist, you may not understand that a lot of these companies, when you start covering what they're doing or producing or making, they try to educate you on how to cover them. And I had no idea until Carrie started sharing this um, and other investigative journalists shared that there's kind of a process where they want to control the spin, of course, right? And so Carrie um, can speak to that because I know that if you've been listening to us, if this is your first time listening, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you feel invited into the conversation to be challenged to just think for yourself. We don't want to tell you what to think, but we want to give you evidence that you need to consider that perhaps you're not hearing on your local news stations or on the big, you know, corporate news that most people for years have trusted, right? And so, um, but Carrie is here today because many of you heard about Roundup. Monsanto, weed killer. Maybe you saw some of the headlines in the news the last few years about massive lawsuits that the plaintiffs actually won going up against these huge corporations. Well, Carrie has written about this, um, both as a journalist and as an author. White Rush, The Story of a Weed Killer, Cancer, and the Corruption of Science. That came out in 2017, um, and it actually won the Rachel Carson Book Award, several other awards, actually, as well. But she also wrote the Monsanto Papers, and it reads like, almost like a novel. And it's Deadly Secrets, Corporate Corruption, and One Man's Search for Justice. And that came out in 2021. So we want to point you to these. Of course, we'll link them in our sub stack so that you can read what Carrie has to share. But we're excited that right now you're going to get to hear it straight from her. So Carrie, thank you so much for joining us. Can we just start by talking about what you have discovered, I guess, maybe if you would give our listeners who maybe didn't know anything about Monsanto or Weed Killer, um, let's start there because that's one of the biggest news headlines of the last few years. What did you discover about Week Killer?
3: <laughs> the Week Killer, right?
2: Killer. Yeah. It's a loaded question. What a question. Loaded. loaded. <laughs> right.
3: So, first, of all, I just want to say thanks for having me. And I love the name of the podcast, Just Think, right? Because at its most basic, I mean that's been my job, right? That's supposed to be the job of journalists. We're we're not supposed to tell people what to think, or we're not activists or advocacy. I like to say my my only advocacy is for the truth, right? For facts, yes. and then yes. people some people filter those into their own reality and their own perspective and and their own context in their lives to determine. What to think, what to support, what policies to support, what to eat, you know, what to do with their lives. So, so I love, I love that. I think this is probably the best group um, to invite me onto a podcast. Yay! So thank you. Um, so, I, you know, I, I've been a journalist, like you said, a really long time. I'm really old, and um, I was covering the banking industry uh, when Reuters asked me to move to Kansas and start covering food and farming because this really interesting company named Monsanto uh, had just introduced genetically engineered crops, and they were changing, revolutionizing agriculture. And the reason that these crops were so special uh, is because Monsanto had tweaked the DNA so that they could be sprayed directly with a chemical called glyphosate, um, or what people might know as Roundup. Glyphosate is actually the chemical, the active ingredient in brand names like Roundup or Ranger Pro or other sorts of names like that. And so farmers who used to have to, you know, be really ingenious about how to tackle weeds in their fields could simply go in and spray right over the top of, you know, acres and acres and acres of soybeans or corn or cotton, spray this chemical all over and the weeds would die. The crops would just keep on growing, right? So it was was like magic for farmers. It was, this is the best thing ever. And farmers loved it. They really, really did. And so you had this company that was changing because of this. Farmers were planting more corn and more soy and they were changing the practices of how they manage the land and all sorts of things were happening. And of course, Agriculture is a massive, um, massively important industry uh, for our economy, you know, as well as of course, for our health, you know, what we eat, uh, the quality of our of our soil and our water and our air is all really tied um, very heavily to agricultural practices. So while it kind of sounds kind of like, eh, why would I care that much about it? I mean, you should, because it impacts <laughs> your life and your health. So it was my job Um, to to learn about this. And I didn't know anything really about agriculture. You know, I knew about banking. Um, So I sort of dove in and just started spending a lot of time with farmers and soil scientists and weed scientists and academics who studied this and grain handlers and and traders. And um, most importantly, with Monsanto and other companies that were selling chemicals and seeds to, to farmers. Um, so that would be like BASF and DuPont and Dow. And Monsanto, you know, saw me as this, okay, here's this new reporter. She works for Reuters, which is a global newswire. Anything that goes out on Reuters goes around the world. It's it's considered, you know, a, a very important source of information for lawmakers around the world and uh, you know, <laughs> regulators. So what I wrote was going to be very important to Monsanto, and they did. They wooed me. They come to our headquarters, have lunch, you know, have be here for meetings, be here for this, let us take you on tours of our facilities, um, let us take you out on field tours. And they did this not just for me, but for journalists at other, you know, very large, important news outlets, and really wanted to shape the narrative, of course, you know, how we were reporting on their you know, new crops, and of course, how we were reporting on their chemical, on glyphosate. But over time, this is a really long answer, right? Over time, <laughs>
2: so good. No, as
3: right. I did what reporters do. You know, you talk to a lot of people, you're out in the field, you're with farmers, you're reading academic papers, um, you're trying to talk to as many different sources of information as possible all the time so that you are learning and you can share what you're learning what I was learning was that yeah, maybe this isn't the greatest thing, you know? Um, and there are a lot of reasons for it, and we can get into that later, I guess. Um, but so my reporting wasn't just always favorable. Um, and I began finding problems with environmental health impacts um, of this practice of just spraying glyphosate directly over crops. Uh, began finding problems with regulatory um capture to a degree, regulators that weren't necessarily doing their job, weren't following the law, Um, maybe were being overly friendly with Monsanto, Um, just a whole array of things that didn't really follow the corporate narrative very well. Oh, listen to the sirens. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> not, I'm in Los Angeles. Maybe they're coming for me. Oh. <laughs> Never <laughs> knows.
1: Well, we How should tell know? the audience, you're not at home, Carrie. You have act- you're have you actually in Los Angeles, not back in Kansas, where you currently right. live. So so yeah, right. see, we're doing this through Zoom. So you're going to hear some background noise. You might even hear my dogs. It's okay. <laughs> at least everyone will hear the, hear the evidence that Carrie has a share. So go right. go right ahead, Carrie.
3: Yeah, so um, so as the reporting reflected uh, the unfortunate reality that everything wasn't just perfect and wonderful and magical, uh, Monsanto became less happy with me, and I began to get fewer and fewer invitations uh, to headquarters. And, and they talking. they then started the opposite, the the stick rather than the carrot, and so. Uh, they start complaining to editors, and they wanted me taken off the beat. And um, I started becoming the subject of uh, really hateful um, things written on the internet uh, and articles posted on um, front group websites or websites that we learned uh, organizations were being funded by Monsanto. Mm-hmm. Uh, Secretly funded by Monsanto, and you know, so all of this has just evolved to a place where um, you know there's been there's been a lot that's come out. I no longer work at Reuters. Um, I've written two books. I write for the Guardian news outlet uh, quite a bit now, and I have my own news outlet called the New Lead, which yes, is part yeah. of the Environmental Working Group. And um, so it's just trying to really bring information to people who need it um, and and escape that corporate kind of control and that sum on the scale that you get from major corporations, that you get from, you know, the government and regulators and sort of the powers that be that really are invested in the populace not having all the facts. And that's,
1: right.
3: uh, you know, and that's something- the thing
1: too, don't you think, Harry It's, we, we naively believe that the freedom of the press um, or freedom of speech that these things are going to be defended. But what we've discovered is that freedom of the press actually, like just as you said, when you start reporting on all the story, not just the story that they want you to report, but the other points of views and things that you're discovering, they don't like it. And it's not just the companies. It goes so far as to what the government doesn't like it. And there is this school of thought that Kristen, Amy and I were not aware of until, I mean, I remember learning about it in college and like a philosophy class that I had to take, but this idea that let the ruling elites think for the people. They don't need to think for themselves. They, because we need to control them for sake of society so that there will be, so that the society can do well and exist. We need to think for them and we need to have them all kind of thinking the way we want them to think. That sounds so crazy. And yet, There's quotes of many, many, many different people who have said that's essentially what they do believe, and it is how they seem to operate. I want our listeners to understand Monsanto is this. they, They have been in court. It was proven. They knew that Roundup could cause cancer. Not only did they know it, but it went so far as to they would tell their employees to make sure you cover kind of head to toe when you use it. Right. Use like a, a chemical resistant clothing, gloves, masks. And yet you'd see the Roundup commercials where the guys in like shorts and a T-shirt. And that sends this message that you can just that Roundup, like you said, is this miracle chemical that will kill your weeds or protect your crop. And and so. The reason this is important, listeners is because it's another proven place now that we now know that a company knew of the damage and dangers it was causing to the public and they did not care enough to stop it. and yet we're making billions of dollars from it and for and doing it for a very long time. And you know, I always think there's a scripture that says to you know to the pure in heart, all things are pure. If you're not a person who is chasing money or greed, you can't even imagine that someone would knowingly subject another human being to a danger and not tell them. But unfortunately, Carrie, you've seen it firsthand. So do you remember when you first knew that there was something that they were covering up? Was it, was it when these trials came to be or when these lawsuits were found? Or did you know it before?
3: Well, I mean... There were, when you say covering up, um, I mean the company's narratives on so many different aspects of this, you know, were efforts to cover up or to manipulate. So from the beginning. But in terms of um, cancer, in terms of like linking this to non-Hodgkin lymphoma and other cancers, I think the real, you know, the science was building. So you were able to see in my research, I, I spent a lot of time going back through EPA archives. Uh, which were really, really interesting. You know, I mean, going back to like the 1970s and you could see these documents that they had like scanned in and you could read. And, And what you could see is that, so there was a really important study that Monsanto submitted. I mean, I don't know how much, you know, we could talk all day, but I mean, there were, there were there was fraud that went on in the 1970s with um, a company called IBT where they were doing studies for companies to give to regulators and one of Monsanto's toxicologists went to work for IBT and then fraud was uncovered and then he went to prison and you know so there was fraud and cover up so long ago and then you see in the 1980s um, Monsanto submitted this mouse study to the EPA. And the scientists at the EPA look at it and they look at the data and they look at the results and and I'm paraphrasing of course but you can see in these internal memos they're saying well this looks like it could cause cancer you know (laughs) because all these mice are getting these rare tumors um, when they're exposed to this and then you see through the documents Monsanto going back to EPA and saying no your scientists are wrong we're going to tell you how to evaluate this science, you know, because if it had been declared that it could possibly cause cancer, there was no way under the law that they would have been allowed to market this to be sprayed directly onto food crops. The the use of it would have had to have been severely restricted if approved at all. And, um, you know, so they really, this was a battle and you can see through the documents how they fought this battle and how the EPA brought in independent scientists and they said, Monsanto, why don't you redo the study? And Monsanto said, absolutely not, not gonna redo it. Uh, And and so this evolved and finally the EPA overrode its own scientists and agreed with Monsanto that they would just to say, it doesn't cause cancer. Okay, We're just gonna ignore those findings. We're gonna find based on Monsanto's arguments um, that it doesn't cause cancer. And that has really been EPA's position ever since, but in the, in the um, early 2000s and then sort of mid-2000s, 19, over time, you know, as I was reporting, I started seeing more and more independent scientific papers that were coming out that were saying, eh, this looks like it does cause cancer, you know, this is, mm-hmm. there's a building amount of evidence. And so I was writing about those studies and Monsanto kept saying they were wrong and they were crazy. and um, And then in 2015, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, which is this, Um, part of the World Health Organization and they, this IARC panel um, is made up of experts from around the world, cancer experts, including from our National Cancer Institute uh, and, and from Italy and France and other places, and they looked at the body of evidence for glyphosate, all of these different studies from independent scientists, and they concluded that, yes, this is a probable human carcinogen, and they found a specific association to non-Hodgkin lymphoma. And that is what triggered then all of the litigation that you spoke of earlier, where people in the United States and Canada and Australia who have non-Hodgkin lymphoma, who were exposed to big users of of Roundup or glyphosate, sued and said, you should have warned us, like you should have told us, because if we had known that there was this science linking this to non-Hodgkin lymphoma, Maybe we wouldn't have used it, or maybe we'd have still used it, but we would have, you know, worn gloves or protective gear, or we would, you know, it's, it's that right to know, it's that right to just think it's that right to make that risk reward calculation for yourself. Um, There are lots of things that cause cancer, you know, so simply saying, okay, we're going to say it causes cancer doesn't necessarily translate to it's going to be banned for all of time. Now maybe it should be like that's a whole different discussion, right? Um, but it's that it's that right to know. It's that right to be warned to understand transparency,
2: which we've lost. Well, yeah, yeah so that's, that's what the litigation
3: was about. And uh, my book traces my second book traces that very first trial, the trial um, where Lee Johnson, this this dying man who's given, you know, 18 months left to live. And he's suffering this just horrible, horrible type of uh, non-Hodgkin lymphoma that manifests on your skin, your flesh, just basically just, it's the most awful thing I've ever seen, you know, um, becomes diseased and and just comes off of your body. And I mean, I cried at times when I spent time with him and looked at, oh. you know, what he was going through. And, um, and so it's, it's that story of of him and the first trial and the lawyers. And I did try to write it in a way where you could see the drama, like you could feel his pain and his anguish and his family's fear of his loss and and the lawyers trying to fight for him. And, you know, it was really a very profound and dramatic um, story that unfolded and and did waken the world really, Um, you know, when he won this incredible verdict. Uh, And it, it really shook Monsanto to its roots, um, you know, because it, I mean, Monsanto, actually we should put a note in here. Monsanto was smart enough to sell the company right Mm -hmm. before this very first trial, they sold to bear Bear. (laughs) and bear was dumb enough to
2: buy it. Well, and I think here's the thing they, they lost, but then they kept going and still kept encouraging people to do it. And I wanted to make this point because I was listening to Brent Wisner, is that right? the lawyer that, um, tried, was he Lee Johnson's lawyer too, or was he just, I know he did the couple later. Anyway, he was involved and I know he had a lot of great information, but he was talking about Lee Johnson, how Lee called when he first had his, um, well, and and, in your book, it's such a great, the way you write this is so good. Like, I mean, I'm hooked on it and I'm, I told her, I was like, I'm a slow reader and I've like, I've like read half the book already. And I just got it a couple days ago because it was slow to get to me. But, um, it's just so fascinating. He just seems like such a sweet guy. And when he noticed this, he called Monsanto. He didn't call a lawyer. He didn't go shout it out to everybody. He called them and nobody called him back. And then when this came out, and I may be getting this all like, I don't know, the chain of events, but when he saw that they were linking it he, to cancer or, or when the AIA, I mean IARC, when they said that it was probably carcinogenic, he called them back still nobody called and it's in the email so when she says that Monsanto like hid the evidence it wasn't even just hiding the evidence they intentionally did not do it and, and they were saying tell them about the ghost writing too but I will tell you this yeah. they asked the guy one of the guys um, the doctors um, with Monsanto and they said why didn't you call him back and of course he said I don't know I don't remember and he said what would you have told him if you did he said I would have said keep using it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean and, come on and he, he did. I mean this is uh, again it might be hard for
3: listeners if they don't know the story but this guy he was a he, he's come to be a real good friend of mine and he's still alive. My god, which is just fascinating by itself. But um yeah, he was a poor poor guy, he was homeless for a while. He grew up without a dad, um but he, and he really wanted to be like a great dad then. And he had two little boys and he was married. And he pulled himself up by his bootstraps, basically, <laughs> to use a cliche, and was working as a school groundskeeper, spraying these chemicals, spraying glyphosate. It was his job. And then he started getting these lesions, and he was diagnosed with this type of cancer. And that's when he called Monsanto, because he was worried, do you think it's, you know, because of this? Didn't call him back, kept using it, his cancer's getting worse, called again, cancer keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And, um, you know, and then eventually it's so bad. He can't work. He's not working anymore. He's told he has 18 months left to live. Yes. And and he becomes the first person to take them to trial. Um, And and so that in and of itself, and there were all of these, you talk about Brent ending up being one of his lawyers and and he was, he did the opening and closing statements in the trial, but he certainly wasn't intended to be. The first lawyer, um, the main lawyer, that was Lee Johnson's lawyer, uh, had a crazy accident two weeks before the trial and almost died and was in the ICU during the trial. And his second lawyer who was backup also had a crazy, terrible thing happen. And so he couldn't, uh, you know, it's just as I was, and that's why I wrote the book really, as I was watching all this unfold, you know, I'm like, this is insane. Like the things that were happening and the twists and the turns and the backs. I mean, so I thought I've got to write this down because nobody yeah, will believe yeah. this is the way it really happened if I've I got know. to write. So it, it was crazy. It's, it was like a Grisham novel, like how yeah, it kind yeah. of all came together.
2: But truly to even point out again, one, it was literally just a couple of weeks or a week or two after the A I. say I, I A-I-R-C. The, just say I-R-C. I-R-C. I are. And they truly are independent. Like they don't care either way. Supposedly, that's what he, that's what Brent had said, you know, that it's an independent, you know, research study group right after they said that it's probably glyphosate is probably carcinogenic, which is what the second worst thing besides saying it definitely causes cancer. Like a week or two later, the EPA, our government agency comes out and says it's not this just shows y'all just like when you said that Monsanto went to the EPA and said no we're not going to say this or we're not going to do this study like who owns who?
0: <laughs>
3: who well they, they did I mean I reported you know I got internal they sent the EPA talk what they called talking points like the EPA email. say Monsanto just sent over these talking points for us on how to respond to IARC um, and what to say and what to do and then you see later on, um, a few months later, and Monsanto just went crazy. Like they were, they went out to just tear these scientists to shreds um, and try to discredit them. And then you see this other government agency. All of this is internal documents. Um, that's how like you work as a journalist. You don't, you know, you don't just go off somebody telling you something. You get the documents. But you have the second government agency that was part of CDC that said, well, we're going to look at glyphosate you know, like IARC did, like, we need to look at this and see if it causes cancer. And you see Monsanto says, absolutely not. And they go to the top officials at the EPA, top, 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 and say, you need to shut that down. And I was so amazed because you can see the timing of the email that they first sent to the, And it was like within 30 minutes that the top EPA guy is writing back. And then he's assigning, he's like second in command to get on this you know, think about a regular person, if they were going to email the EPA, how long is it going to take to get a response if they ever do? But, right. uh, you know, least, Montana said jump and EPA said how high and, and that is
0: regulatory right. capture. It is. They're not working. <laughs> who are they working for? Because they're not working for us. Exactly. And that's who they're supposed to be working for is <laughs> us and that's public the- health, public health, public health, <laughs> but they are captured. They're
1: captured. We've seen this in the last few years, right? So our, uh, our listeners certainly know a few listeners before we talk about that regulatory capture and the fact that even doctors are often unaware of the fact that the agencies they've trusted or the sources they've trusted to get their latest information on public health. The CDC, for example, is... That they're captured as well. So then, what happens is the people trust their doctor. The doctor trusts the agencies, but the agencies are owned by the pharmaceutical companies that are dispensing the drugs. And we've seen how many times. I mean, this is the thing that's so hard for me sometimes. Carrie, you can go on Netflix right now and you can read about how the pharmaceutical companies lied about opioids. Right. You can you can watch countless documentaries on it. You can. It, it, there is a track record of lying. Track record, Pfizer—the largest what? The largest payout in fraud uh, fraud in history was Pfizer, and yet we're trusting them to tell us the truth about this (laughs) unprecedented mRNA vaccine that they say is safe and effective, with no time to prove either. You know, and we now know that's complete bunk. But you should know that. If you don't know that, you need to revisit where you're getting your information from. But. I do think that this is the thing, Carrie, is that what you're discussing is a weed, uh, weed killer. I keep saying weed, that's, that's what we always called it growing up. You know, Roundup was the weed killer. We're talking about something that is sprayed in masses on crops around the world. And I think you even said it's being used more and more outside of the United States um, because it does seem like a miracle, a miracle drug, right? It seems like a miracle thing for the farmer. But the problem is, is that I heard you say we can find urine and keep in humans glyphosate like me, you can, t- you can find cl- yeah glyphosate, glyphosate in urine, which is the active ingredient we're talking about that is linked to non Hodgkin's lymphoma. You said that you can find that in a lot of people's urine because it does stay in the food that we eat. Is that correct?
3: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, and that's not just again, me saying that that's, the, the CDC recently came out. I mean, this is tests have been done all over the world on this. Um, in Europe, European Parliament, Parliament members even had their own urine tested um, several years ago before they approved uh, glyphosate. Very narrowly, almost did not reapprove glyphosate use. But um, because it is sprayed directly onto our food, um, including on crops that are not genetically modified, like wheat and oats, um, pretty heavy on oats. It's also been found, I reported, in um, organic honey, um, at, not because it's sprayed on beehives, but because it's sprayed on the plants and the bees go and the bees are getting the nectar and mm-hmm. such. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's the most commonly found, I think, chemical, other than maybe PFAS, in your bodily serums. And the CDC reported last summer, actually, our Centers for Disease um, Control and Prevention reported that in, in sampling that they did over 2,000 people, including children and adults that they sampled to be representative of the American population, they found over 80% um, of those people had glyphosate uh, in their urine. And last, uh, well, two weeks ago now, I suppose, I reported on a National Institutes of Health um, study, a bunch of our government scientists, again, from our National Cancer Institute, who looked at glyphosate in people's urine, and they measured that, and they also looked at what they found were biomarkers for oxidative stress. Oxidative stress is, is present when um, it's an indicator that your DNA is being damaged, that it causes cell damage and destruction, which leads to cancer. So when you see oxidative stress, you're seeing something that's gonna cause cancer. And these people, these scientists said they measured the glyphosate levels and they found that when the higher the levels of glyphosate, the more prominent, they found these biomarkers for oxidative stress. And um, and they concluded that this was a particular concern for people with um, can- blood cancers. So it was more evidence linking glyphosate. And this came from our own government scientists. And increasingly, we're seeing this kind of push-pull between government scientists. I mean, I guess we saw it in the 1980s as well. You know, you have these people who are really trying to do good work, the scientists within these agencies. And then you have the professional management of these agencies who are oftentimes coming from, or appointed politically from the industries that they're supposed to regulate. So there's this push-pull between the political appointees and the staff scientists. Um, but But this is just recent data uh, as well that came out showing, you know, having glyphosate in your urine is not a good thing. And more than 80 of us
2: do. That was an NIH study. When, when was that? Yeah, that, um, was just in January.
3: I reported it for the guardian a couple of weeks ago. If you go on the guardian website, um, guardian and Carrie Gillum, you'll, you'll
0: okay. And so the best thing to do for the average American at this point, don't eat, don't eat,
3: (laughs) don't eat or drink. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> or don't drink your water. Don't drink water. Yeah. Uh, throw everything out of your pantry. Yes. Start over. I don't know. Uh, right. But, right. You know all we can say is, you know, all that we, what we all three of us try to do is to eat organic as much as possible, which, you know, you're, you're under the assumption that if you're eating organic, you are not eating GMO crops, but you know, <laughs> how safe is that? Like, what is our safest bet to try to just avoid? Because the thing is, is, you know, it's like, I understand this whole, oh, well, this is going to help all humanity because we're going to have way more food to feed everyone because the crops won't die. Like, oh, that's really great. But In theory. you are soaking all of our food with this chemical that we can go ahead and say, I mean, it does cause cancer and you're not giving us a choice whether we want to ingest that or not. Right. Right. Um, So what do we do? Like, how do we safeguard ourselves, you know, besides just eating organic or
2: if that even matters? And this is why this is so important. This affects every single person. person. If you eat this is affecting you. I mean, this bread, like, is this your choice? The, like the, if right. you You're, are you eating to, food, you don't get you, to choose. so important. <laughs> and it's like the bread, the bread,
0: like sandwiches. you know, I think about like all the sandwiches that we feed our kids and stuff. Well, it's And like-
1: all the people with gluten sensitivities over the last uh, 10, 20 years, so that it's like a just a skyrocketing af- epidemic of gluten-free eaters because they have an autoimmune situation where they cannot have gluten. You know, and I mean it, it, that could be for a myriad of things, but it does make your brain go, Well, what has changed or what what are the environmental toxins um, you know, that are there that could be presented that would trigger this or cause this for people, and 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 it's. And I want to point out one quick thing before you really answer what you're doing, Carrie. I think that's what we'd all three like to know. Like, how do you eat and how do you drink because you know so much. Um, but, but I think that when you said like the pollen, the pollination, I know it's affected the monarch butterfly, and so some environmentalists have gotten involved saying this stuff is killing these butterflies, but. When you when it cross-pollinates our you know, the bees obviously no one's putting anything on their hive, but they're going and getting you know things from the crops, then it's coming back. And so we see it going into our streams and our soil. And you talked about there's different practices now for how they even farm the land, which we know the land can get tired. I don't know if a lot of people, if you're not from a farming community, you don't know that the land is supposed to rest to kind of re-energize and get nutrients back in it to feed our bodies. And our practices have become, quite frankly, possibly deadly, right? And so now that we know this and there's a wealth of information, everybody gets scared and it's like, well, now what do we do? What do we do, Carrie? What are the little (laughs) 1% changes we can make? You know, just... Because again, we can't eradicate it, but how can we right now make some changes to protect ourselves and our families?
3: Well, I, I want to start with kind of what you said um, when you when you sort of launched the question or sort of was this, um, you repeated a talking point, a key industry talking point, right? Or, or um, one of you did about, you know, maybe we do need these things so that we have more food and the production is great. Um, you know, the science has, has not proven out the talking point from the agrochemical industry that you need these chemicals to feed the world. Right. Um, because that's what you hear them say. Well, you need this. You need all of these chemicals that we spray on our farm fields to feed the world, growing population, da da. Not remotely true. Not even, not even remotely true. And and there's a lot of different reasons it's not true. And and you know, I don't know how much time you want to spend on that, but the reason that people are starving in certain parts of Africa or wherever is not because they lack GMO crops and glyphosate. It's a right. whole. There are a whole lot of things. There's infrastructure and and storage and political unrest and economic issues and um, drought. You know, I mean, there's there's a whole lot of issues that if you want to drill down into it, you can go to the you know Food and Ag Organization of the United Nations, and you can study that, and you can read that. And and in fact, our United Nations experts on agriculture have, have said, like, we need to reduce the use of pesticides. You know, mm-hmm. it's destroying biodiversity, it's destroying the health of the soil, it's contaminating water, it's creating all these health effects for people. Um, so that is just not true. Um, and, and the science supports that. Uh, specifically with glyphosate, you know, when you add nitrogen fertilizers, you know, you can increase production based upon a comparison to not using nitrogen fertilizers, but then you have the nitrogen fertilizers contaminated. So it's the (laughs) risk reward ratio all the way around. Um, So I just wanted to establish that first. Now, where were we going with that? What do you eat? So I, I think if people understood and i and i want to make it i always want to make it clear when i talk about this glyphosate is in my mind the poster child but it's only one of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chemicals that are used by farmers um and many others have been found there's one called chlorpyrifos which is an insecticide that had been pushed for years sold by dow chemical scientists studying this over many many years had found that women who were exposed to this through their diet or other, their children, if they were pregnant, their their babies would be born and have neurodevelopmental problems. And, uh, and it, so young children or in utero being exposed to chlorpyrifos is a really bad thing. There are other chemicals that, are being, that have been shown to have reproductive harm um, as well, to reduce fertility, to women exposed to these chemicals have worse birth outcomes, you know, um, shorter gestations, that sort of thing. And so there's a whole array of health effects that have been tied to a whole array of these pesticides. Glyphosate is the world's most widely used herbicide in all of time. Uh, sprayed directly on our crops. This is why we talk about it so much, um, because it has become pervasive. Our government scientists found it in surface waters. It's so pervasive, they find it in rainfall. So Ugh. that's why we talk about it a lot. But if you look at the Food and Drug Administration and the USDA, that both, both these agencies every year put out what they call um, residue monitoring, pesticide residue monitoring reports, um, those sorts of things. And they literally sample thousands of foods from around the United States and measure and track, well, you know, what insecticides are in strawberries, what, you know, herbicides, what fungicides, what, and they track it. And when you look at these very thick reports, it's just not, it's, it's nauseating. Now the government says, eh, don't worry about it. It's fine. All of these insecticides and fungicides and herbicides in your bowl of strawberries—it's gonna be—it's fine. Don't worry about Trust it. Trust us. Trust it's us. It's not fine. <laughs> and increasingly, the independent scientists are telling us it's not fine. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not fine at all. So the way, if you, as going back to what you said, if you do want to reduce your exposure to pesticides through food and diet, organic is really sort of your best option, short of growing your food yourself, so you know what's been done to it, but. Um, you know, it's, and the organic has its own set of challenges and problems. Um, you know, there, it's not a perfect system. And so eating something that's organic doesn't mean there isn't going to be chemical residues
2: or anything. Right. That's right. But it's,
1: that's right. Because you it's know, a little it, bit better.
3: It's but, a bit but better. Overall,
1: yes, yes.
3: Overall, these chemicals, many of these chemicals are not supposed to be used, are not allowed to be used in growing organic, um, foods so it is it is a much better choice if you're worried about pesticides what
0: about something that's not organic but is labeled non-gmo do you know haven't you seen things that like fruits vegetables crackers whatever Mm -hmm. it's like it's not an organic thing but it's just a non-gmo thing
3: right right i mean what what they're telling you there is that the ingredients do not contain a crop that is a genetically engineered crop Mm -hmm. so um you know if you if you buy honey i mean there's there's no genetically engineered honey, you know that sort of thing, but it still may contain a whopping load of glyphosate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I wrote a story based on some Food and Drug Administration documents, um, FDA documents that I got actually from um, a secret source <laughs> inside the FDA, and these documents showed that there was this FDA chemist who went out and tested honey that honey samples just went grocery stores and bought them off the shelves and tested for glyphosate and found glyphosate in every one of them like really high levels of glyphosate the high levels that would be illegal in the european union they weren't illegal in the united states because we don't have a level that's set for honey in the united states for glyphosate
1: and and then also honey nut cheerios i believe had um i feel feel like that came out right it was like Cheerios, Cheerios was crackers. really high. Yes. Yeah. And this and is you something. Know what? Every
2: toddler's just carrying around a whole a snack, whole tray of s-
1: snack so box. And that's there. important too, because we've talked a lot about the health of children and the medical system and, and how that impacts the health of children. And mm-hmm. food, we need to talk about food. We, we've not gotten to talk about that enough. Baby food. Terry, wasn't there a lot, a lot in the baby food? And-
3: right, oatmeals, impotent baby food, oatmeals. That was another food and drug administration. And the thing like, again, you can go to sort of Guardian, uh, if you want to read these articles or yeah.
2: uh, Guardian
3: and Carrie uh, Gillen, but I'll add them to the these internal documents course. from the agencies. And I think it's important to note, the FDA has never publicly, they didn't ever issue a press release and say, hey, our scientists found that baby food oatmeal has a ton of glyphosate in it. They never did that. They never said organic honey has a lot of glyphosate in it. The only reason that we know that, and that's out in the world is because we got these internal documents, you know, sent to us. I have an FDA document where a scientist chemist is reporting to his other chemists in the FDA. And he's talking about testing. He brought all this food from home to test for glyphosate crackers and granola and this sort of thing. And he said, it's in, it's in everything. And he says, the only thing we didn't find it in is broccoli.
1: Oh my gosh. So, well, what
3: about meat, right?
1: so, well, me, Carrie? So, if the animals are eating the grass or the, you know, in the soils that are contaminated, alfalfa, are we seeing it in the, beef? what's that? Glyphosate okay, so
2: fed beef instead of grass fed beef.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, is that a thing, Carrie? Did they find it in beef? And- it's
3: a thing. It's a thing. Um, uh, there's a uh, Monsanto made genetically engineered alfalfa, um, you know, which is mm-hmm. grown to feed. Uh, to animals, livestock feed, and of course, you have corn and soy that are that are um, ingredients in livestock feed. So it's very much a thing, and and our regulators understand that, and they and they have expectations and set expectations for glyphosate levels in um, meat. So. Yeah. I
2: mean, but, you know, I liked what Dale said. He said they may be, these seeds may be genetically modified to tolerate. Basically it makes them glyphosate tolerant, right? He I, said, but we aren't <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like, we are not, you know, so think about that. We are not made to tolerate this. It's just the crop can tolerate it. it right. Well, guessing- yeah, I
3: mean, and there, there's a lot of studies about what it does to your gut health, about how it affects the organisms in your gut and your microbiome. And if you're affecting your gut health, that really can affect everything in your body, right? right. You know, you know, that.
2: Yes. <laughs> if there's <laughs> anything else we've learned in yes. our health journey. It all starts that, in the gut. You were going to ask about the meat. What were you saying? I though? was
0: just going to say, when you said the meat, the organic meat though, they, they're, what they feed on should be glyphosate free.
3: <laughs> I mean, if, if it depends on what they're, right? If they're feeding, if these are grass fed and they're out there on, on a like nice pasture that hasn't been sprayed with a lot of chemicals and they haven't been injected with a lot of antibiotics and they haven't you know that's a whole nother thing too you have to think about is um, well and then also
2: right next to next to a farm that that does do it you're going to get the spray you're going to get the runoff I mean but we also can't live like, you know, we're, we're like, okay, so do we just not eat anything? We can't, we don't want everybody to, you know, we definitely don't want fear. We don't want people to be fearful. But we also, you know, the main reason we want to share this with people is that you need to be aware and just do look at the labels. Do think twice about what you're putting in your body because you really are what you eat. And I, I think it's really important too, just to see truly like the corruption of our, all right, three letter agencies, (laughs) three letter organizations, the government, it's like, you don't want to not trust everybody, but gosh, when you hear these stories and then we know what we know now, what's going on the past few years, it's like deja vu, right? It's like, it just keeps happening and it's perpetuating the cycle. And if we don't keep talking about it and exposing it and sharing this information it's going to keep going.
0: And what's unfortunate is that organic is more expensive and we're not getting any healthier. It's more expensive (laughs) to eat healthy, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, but I think in order to make an impact, like as individuals, it's like, we have to vote with our dollars and the more that people move away from eating, Mm -hmm. maybe these conventional grown crops and snacks and stuff, maybe they'll start to realize, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know.
3: Well, I mean, if you think about it and I'm certainly not, you know, uh, I don't know what the word is, but I'm not pure on, on any of this, but the best foods that we need to, you know, there's there's no value in eating a bag of chips, right? I mean, there's no value for your health. Like food is supposed to be fuel for our bodies. It's not supposed to be entertainment or you know whatever or medication. It's supposed to be um, fuel and and to to give us our health. And so there's no there's no reason to go eat a box of cookies or a box of chips or something like that. You really should be thinking. Proactively about your health and about what you're consuming. And if you're eating, you know, fish or fruits and vegetables or things like that, you you think about it and you're conscious about. And so if you know, okay, well, these fruits and vegetables are in their raw form, I probably really want them to be free of pesticides, right? So it makes more sense, possibly. Like I cannot bear to not feed my children organic strawberries. Because mm. the amount of chemicals on conventional strawberries is just
2: right. Awful. I know, and then you got to pay the fifteen dollars <laughs> for, a carton-, for a, carton a carton of strawberries, strawberries organic strawberries, and right.
3: blueberries, and you know okay. things like that that you're eating sort of whole and in their almost you know raw form. I think it's really important if you can. Mm. Um, so I don't know <laughs> about the more processed foods. You know, maybe it depends on obviously again. Everybody has their own place in the world and their own um, sets of circumstances to weigh. You know, so if you if you value this more than you value something else, then maybe this is where you want to spend your dollars right. on the organic. Right.
1: Yeah, that's true, and that's and that's a good way of putting it. So now that people know they need to be aware of the dangers and chemicals that are in our food sources you know across the board and in, in some capacity and now you know that the companies who make these chemicals um do not disclose and the three-letter agencies who are supposed to be our safeguards do not enforce necessarily um they uh, hold them to a standard of keeping it safe so now we've established all of that can we talk about the consequences to monsanto and what 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 happened? They got a $2 billion lawsuit from the couple that sued them. I know that one, right? So they lost $2 billion to that. Uh, We know with Mr. Johnson's case, right? He won that. But what's essentially happened other than Bayer, a German owned company, pharmaceutical company bought them. What were the repercussions? What was the justice that's been served so far?
3: Well, the the CEO of Bayer um, who championed the acquisition of Monsanto in 2018, right before the very first trial, it's not been fun for him. Um, you know, the the first trial um, started in June of 2018, Monsanto closed on the sale, completed the sale of the company to bear in June of 2018. The top guys at Monsanto, the chairman and the other guys walked away with millions and millions and millions of dollars in their pockets, you know, wow. goodbye. Um, let's go buy a yacht or whatever. And the trial concluded on August the 10th of 2018 with this verdict of 289 million and with the disclosure of, you know, to the world, like here's laid bare all the ways that this company has lied. And the stock, the bear stock plummeted 40%. And that's a huge deal. When you lose your market capitalization, when you lose billions of dollars in market capitalization, that's a big deal. And that was five years ago. And it the company hasn't recovered. Uh, there have been investor lawsuits against Bear. There's calls for the ouster of the top officials of Bear. There's a movement right now by some investor groups to break up Bayer, to break the company into pieces and sell it off. Um, it, it has been, you know, the Wall Street Journal's written it up, Washington Post. It's been... Dubbed sort of like the worst corporate acquisition, you know, in all of time or whatever. Wow. Oh, What's that? Oh, because okay. and you know, and I like to say, what were they thinking? If they had pay, been paying any attention right. whatsoever right. to the drumbeat building of evidence about the dangers of this flagship product for Monsanto, why would they? Have, you know, it, they must
2: have just believed Monsanto, Monsanto or believed EPA or just yeah. Oh,
3: Well, and they've lost their market, their market cap, but they've also then so far agreed to pay close to $15 billion in settlements, um, verdicts and settlements to over a hundred thousand plaintiffs in the United States alone. And they still have many, many, many many more thousands that are trying to go to trial and still trying to negotiate settlements. Um, so, you know, it, it hasn't been great for bear. uh,
1: (laughs) Well, and that's, I think that's one reason I wanted to ask that question. Yeah, they I, still I, sell I, it. I, well, I'm, yeah, they still sell it. I know uh,
0: they haven't put a label, like a, the, the a warning, warning a warning saying this product may cause cancer.
2: Like that's... I mean, isn't there the Prop 65 in California right, that's like everything. even on a daggum yoga mat or it's at yeah. Disney and they yeah. won't even put a label on this? <laughs> yeah, they fought that. That's,
3: I mean, that's kind of the thing. And that's where a lot of the lawyers... Are you know trying to sort of discuss this idea? Because truthfully, it like it's like cigarettes. You know, you still people still buy cigarettes and smoke cigarettes. Um, if there was That's a warning, a, uh, if they put a warning label that said, you know, this product could cause cancer, that would really help them <laughs> on the legal liability side. Yeah, um, but they it's continue to maintain that the science is in their favor, and there are scientific studies that do not show an association. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them were paid for by Monsanto, but not all of them. So there mm-hmm. are studies uh, that support their contention, um, that it doesn't cause cancer.
2: Mm-hmm. So, Those you know, weren't the ones written, the ghost-written ones? <laughs> yeah.
3: <but laughs> most of the studies that favor the position of the company were paid for um, or, or done by Monsanto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And, yep. and this is how the system works. For those of us who don't work in these industries, we have no idea what goes on behind closed doors. We've just blindly trusted that our government would look after us. These three-letter agencies would look after us and that well-meaning humans would not dare poison Americans for billions of dollars. Like we just, we can't even conceive of it. And yet more and more evidence points to the fact that they absolutely would. Um, there's whistleblowers throughout history in this country who have demonstrated evidence that things were known and they were not disclosed and in fact they were hidden and uh and, I, and just to bring back Pfizer again because I know that's been in the news um you know moderna never posted a single a single profitable quarter until they had their vaccine now they want to inject their vaccine into hearts to stop heart attacks with the mrna technology I mean just think the heart no just hard no. Just think, just think, okay? And, and that's, that's what we, that's the goal of this, not to scare people. Listen, we got to live, we got to live, but we also need to fight for the truth. We have got to demand more of the truth of these companies, of our government. It should be government for the people, by the people. Clearly, that's not been happening. We've got to get back. The average American is not okay with any of this. The average american doesn't benefit from any of this they they're harmed by it and i think when those of us who see it and you know the more of us that can see it speak out about it and do something about it the better and that's why we like having people like you on carry and why we're going to tell people to read your books and get informed and when you know better you can do better and you can make more informed choices so we just want to thank you so much for giving us your time today and, and, and pointing people to something else they need to be informed about so that they can now follow. So they can find you on your website, right? Carrie Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Carrie You got to spell it right. Right. C-A-R-E-Y-G-I-L-L-A-M. Yeah. But yeah, or the guardian or the new lead. Um,
2: it's the you new know. lead. You, it's spelled different though. And what's the, it's the new lead. Yeah,
3: L-E-D-E. It's okay. an old journalistic turn of phrase. to means sort of the most important p- right. part of the story. So.
2: And you also are, do you still have the right to know? Is it the your right to know? Or- I left you as a right to know. It's a really yeah. good,
3: great group. Uh, they primarily, they, they're doing a lot of work now on COVID, but they primarily exist to do Freedom of Information Act requests and like sued the government to get documents I when I worked there I sued the EPA twice and the FDA once to get documents and they have brought to light they're responsible for bringing to light a ton of the COVID information about um, what our government was not wanting us to know um, so that's a really good organization as well but no I left there um, to start the new lead uh, last okay. year all right yeah
1: well, we're just thankful. We're thankful for journalists like you that still believe that the journalist job is not to tell people what to believe, but to give them the information they need to know to make informed choices. And that's what you've continued to do. And we just appreciate you and journalists like you. And we we hope and pray that more journalists will become like you and will be willing to just report what they know. Because Carrie, I can't imagine, you know, you living in Kansas City, surrounded by all these uh monsanto people and then you're reporting on things they don't want you to say that that could not have been comfortable so i just want to thank you for braving the discomfort and doing the right, right. thing doing yeah. the right thing thank well, you you
3: guys back at you you know this is wonderful <laughs> that you're doing this podcast and thanks for having me i really appreciate, appreciate you so much. Much. thank you thank you
1: We're going to be following you uh, more. So you, anytime you've got any more news to break, you let us know. We'll talk. (laughs) We'll
3: do it. Okay. Thank
2: you. Thank you,
1: Carrie. We'll see you guys. Oh